0: Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Thanks for tuning in to the Hunt Talk Radio podcast, also known as Randy Newberg Unfiltered. Uh, <clears throat> got to thinking about uh, the past podcasts we've been doing and how most of them are a bunch of old gray-haired guys like me, for the most part. And that's all great. It gives us a lot of insight about hunting and conservation and ooh, how we got here. But as I got to thinking about that in November... I said, you know what, it's it's time to start talking to some of the younger people, and younger people who maybe aren't that well-known, but are, in my mind, making a difference behind the scenes. And you're going to hear our podcast guest today, Lorenzo Sartini from GoHunt.com. He's one of the people behind the scenes who you may not have heard of, but a very young, smart, energetic guy who's who's changing a lot of, uh, information, uh, distribution as it relates to hunting. And later this, this winter, you're going to hear a podcast with some guys, Zach and Travis from Montana Wild, two young guys who I think are doing some amazing stuff with video message and YouTube and Vimeo and and social media. So I'm, you're going to get to hear this podcast and it's, it's just not, randy newberg and a bunch of his old gray-haired buddies sitting around telling hunting stories so i hope you enjoy that this podcast you're gonna hear was recorded in december and uh let's get to that now thanks for joining us hey folks randy newberg here thanks for uh tuning in to another episode of hunt talk radio the randy newberg unfiltered podcast and again i am uh recording this podcast from las vegas nevada uh and some of you are probably saying man newberg how much time you spend in vegas but uh i'm down here for rocky mountain Elk foundation's elk camp and one of the great things about elk camp is some serious serious hunters all end up in the same place at the same time and our guest today fits that category of the serious serious hunter and i'm gonna give you a little, <clears throat> excuse me, a little background about who my guest is, and I think he tries to play a little bit quiet behind the scenes guy, but I'm not buying it, He, he he's way too <laughs> humble for what his talent and experience is, so... With me today is Lorenzo Sartini, who is, can I call you the owner, the boss, the big chief? Founder and president. Founder. Whatever of, you want to call me. El right. Jefe. <laughs> <laughs> so, those of you who follow our platform, follow our Hunt Talk website, you know that in the last, oh, a little over a year, I've been talking about a, a research service, a website called GoHunt.com, who has this insider service that has really... It, it, it's the answer to all the things that Randy Newberg said he needed to to have someday. And what I mean by that is when you got to apply for 10 to 12 hunts a year to do a TV show like I do, it's a lot of research. And I've always said, man, if someone could consolidate this and come up with everything, that would be the silver bullet. And I am sitting here with the brainchild, Lorenzo, <laughs> who came up with the silver bullet of what I've been looking for. So welcome Lorendo. Glad Thank you. to glad to have you here. I uh, um, appreciate you having me. Oh yeah. And so when when I think about those of us who hunt the West and even those who don't live in the West but like to come out west and hunt, it's gotten really complicated to try stay on top of however many states you guys are on top of yes i mean pretty much all the western states you 14 guess. western states Correct. Yeah. and every one of them have their own little quirks some have bonus point systems some have preference point i mean it's and some just, have a mixture of the two right it's confusing as all get out yeah it's crazy and so i gotta ask you before we get into how you know all your hunting yep. background what was the the thing that caused you to say there's got to be people out there who need this information and and want to use it. It was a
1: complete selfish
0: decision, actually. So I'm, <laughs> right? Like I
1: wanted to know that information, but I could never find it. And, and I knew and there had to be a better way. I knew there was. I knew there could be something done to make it easier, to make it better. Yeah. If a guy like me couldn't figure out the information that I wanted or needed to know, draw more tags, find more hunts, more opportunities. Uh, it was. It was mind boggling to me that it, it took me so much time and I had to go to so many different places and I still left somewhat empty of the full information right you know I, it was it was crazy to me so it was really built for me honestly like I got <laughs> I, I found the right guys on to, to bring on board I found the right guys for the for the technology aspect of it the right guys for um kind of the user experience of it who've been on online for a long time come from a very big background of online and uh I've literally just told them what i wanted to see yeah. and them kind of being you know from the outside looking in in the hunting industry they would bring up other ideas to me well wha- how about we show it like this or how about we bring this information along with it and we can do weather and we can do all these things and i'm sitting here going yeah so- sounds <laughs> good to me that <laughs> more, makes is better. Yeah, <laughs> more is better it makes it even easier now so um yeah it was honestly it was a total selfish selfish decision um I
0: just couldn't find the information I wanted, so I built it. uh, That's interesting you say that because I'm the guy who is going through that same process, but it never occurred to me because I got in this long habit over time because I started doing these multiple state applications in the early 90s, so I'm like this old long-toothed, gray-haired fart. (laughs) (laughs) And and I got accustomed to having file cabinets full of stuff and maps with the lead, you know, my own little chicken yep. scratch on it. And but you're right; there was never any place I could go to get everything in one spot. And I'm not that organized, so when I tried to do that, <laughs> it was just a mess of a room. I lost the
1: information that I already found. It was it was it was not good. Yeah. And,
0: and the thing that ended up happening for me is every time a state would change something. I felt like I had to hit the reset button yep. and relearn this and relearn that. Like when Arizona went to—I don't know how many years ago it was—they, you know, it used to just be they had one draw. Yep. Then they said, "Oh, we're going to take 20% of the tags and put them in what they call the bonus pass." Exactly. It took me two or three years to get kind of back to where I thought I was comfortable yep. with this,
1: and then to refigure the new draw. It's now based on <laughs> the tag yeah. allocations and the, right. and the bonus pass. Yeah. So it's crazy.
0: I, I know some people listening are probably like, Man, those guys must be serious about <laughs> figuring this out because it really gets down to in the West anyhow. If you can't get a tag, you aren't going hunting. It it's not like where I grew up in Minnesota where you go down to the you know, sporting goods store, or the hardware store and you buy your deer tag and you go hunting. Yep. In the West, these application dates, I mean, what what do we got? Alaska right now is December. It's, it's December, December mm-hmm. and if you want to hunt next fall in Alaska, you got until uh, like a week from today or something, uh, like that, yeah, December 10th or uh, 15th or 15th
1: this year, 13th or 15th I think yeah. it is this year.
0: It's and crazy. So if you're listening to this and if you've always dreamed about getting into the Western hunting gig, if you're new to it, or if you are someone like you and I who've been doing it for mm-hmm. th- forever, um, information. This king, the, the, yeah, that, uh, and I get so many emails and comments saying, "Newberg, how do you draw so many tags? Are you slipping money in the envelope or whatever?" <laughs> yeah. Back in the old day, you know, before Al Gore invented the internet, uh, I guess maybe you could slip money in, but now it's now, all online. Exactly. So I'm sorry, folks, I'm not bribing anybody. <laughs> but what I what I am doing, I am in a constant quest. For the best information I can find.
1: That's how I feel.
0: Yeah, and and when you guys popped up on the radar, I I heard about you yeah, and I I instantly I'm like out there I'm checking this out, I'm like, nah this ain't, this has got to be something, that, nah that ain't you know, and then I I ran into you guys at Elk Camp last year. Yep, and uh, I'm like let me play with your system here for a while. And you guys just kind of let me have at it. And I'm asking all kinds of questions and you and Chris and others are like, Oh yeah, here, here. I'm like, ah, I, don't, I, 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 it was, it seemed to me like such a daunting challenge to accumulate all this that I was like your, worst. it was, <laughs> it okay, was. so I was like your worst skeptic when I first. I saw was sweating it. bullets when you were
1: checking it out because I know you know your information. So I'm sitting there going, "Man, I hope, I hope everybody put
0: everything in the right spot," you know. <laughs> and so I left Elk Camp last year, and I'm like, "This could be one of those game changers. This could be something that makes my life and the and." Not just my life, everything I do about my show, my website is about getting people to equipment and services that make them a better hunter or gives them more opportunity to go and hunt yes. and i'm I, i'm <laughs> i it it was as as I thought it would be and not Glad to hear it yeah it, and i'll just take for an example of what randy does and, and i get a ton of questions that uh are, are similar to what i use your system for someone will say randy i want to go and hunt elk in colorado but i really don't know where to start well you guys for all these western states you have not just oh here's a little map of the unit you guys have everything about oh the moisture trends the you know the harvest access issues
1: if you need to get around private terrain photos everybody always wants to know what they're getting themselves into as far as you know the physicality of the hunt things like that so just tried to put everything somebody would want to know about that single unit into one spot
0: yeah i mean you you i the thing that always where it reminds me that you guys do this uh precipitation stuff Mm -hmm. is The monsoon seasons of Arizona and New Mexico. I always, uh, because the bar, the graph pops up, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, because it got has this big spike in July, August, and September. Always on that one, and it reminds me of how much data you guys are and I i'm not a tech guy so i i can't i have no idea how it works but somehow you guys are pulling data from somewhere correct yes so we did a deal with NOAA, national oceanic and
1: atmospheric agency right and uh we basically in in a easy way to say it we read their doppler radar from within the unit to get an exact weather and precipitation for the unit getting back to the selfish comment this was 100% everything that I wanted because <laughs> growing up in Las Vegas, my whole life yeah. I've hunted desert deer and desert elk my entire life. The the rain season affects my hunting season immensely. Right. Right. Like I I live and die by rain seasons. Yeah. The health of the herds, how scattered my a- animals are going to be, and I could never get real weather for from within the unit because yeah. Nevada's so desolate. You know, I, I, if I wanted to see weather from within the unit sometimes it was pulling a town that was 200 miles away and it was just completely different weather systems so uh that one was a sticking point for me that i said there's got to be a way to figure out weather from within a unit
0: there has to be a way yeah and
1: we went out and tried to do it and figured it out
0: and those of us who live in a northern latitude like i live in montana and we'll get into your montana story here shortly yes but uh we we kinda have a tendency to forget about that part until I draw a tag in New Mexico or Utah or Nevada or Arizona mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I'm like, You know what, Randy, you better figure out the moisture patterns here. Exactly. This this is gonna have a huge impact on where you're gonna hunt, how you're gonna hunt, everything else and I think those of us up north, because water is so abundant. Rivers
1: and creeks and lakes and springs, they're everywhere.
0: Yeah, and so that's just one of just the whole multitude of features that go hunt Mm -hmm. and and your insider program have. Correct. And we're going to get into some more (laughs) of those. Uh, But I made mention of the Montana story. So Lorenzo and I are kind of like a mirror opposite in some respects. I live in Montana and graduated from college in Nevada. Lorenzo (laughs) lives in Nevada and graduated from college in Montana. Montana. Yep. How did you end up in Montana?
1: So, um, it's a story about football, basically. It was about athletics. So, I've grown up playing athletics my entire life at a very high, you know, competitive level. So, from the time I could strap on a football helmet I was playing and then I also went to a very uh athletic uh, esteemed program for for football so I went to Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas yeah. played with a lot of really good players who are playing in the NFL today some are yeah. doing very very well um but when I was there I was I was doing really well I was getting looked at by colleges I had had a few col- uh college scholarships offered to me See, some D1a schools uh-huh. and some D1aa schools yeah and University of Utah at the time was number I think four or five in the nation the year they beat Alabama was my recruit year Uh so I had a scholarship from those guys I had a scholarship from some of these other schools but I was talking to my dad and and I was and I was telling him I I've been hurt in in high school right and I'm a bigger kid for high school but when I go up on these college visits these kids are massive (laughs) like massive (laughs) so if I'm you know if I'm hurt my shoulder and my knee now I I want to be able to hunt like football has always gotten in the way of me hunting yeah and in in Nevada we have a great program for youth I I had a tag every year in Nevada growing up until I was 18 years old yeah so every year I had a deer tag and and we had a little duck lease with my dad so I was always hunting deer and ducks growing up but football always got in the way I only had one day here two days there three days here and that's how I grew up hunting and it just drove me crazy because my passion was chasing deer and elk and and shooting ducks and i had to go to football practice (laughs) i loved it i loved being a part of the team i loved doing all that stuff i'm a very competitive person um but then when i was getting hurt and it all kind of stacked up on me i I was really looking at my options for college to really change my lifestyle at the moment i grew up in the city hunting was not easy i had to drive a long ways to go do it um it was a big plan to go do it it was never just easy yeah so I only wanted to go to college in mountain towns. So Colorado <laughs> State, University of Utah, University of Colorado, um, Oregon State, those are the kind of schools that I was going to the football camps and, and trying to get looked at by their scouts and get scholarship offers. Little did I know, D1A schools can require a certain amount of hours out of you weekly. Oh, I had yeah. a friend tell me D1AA schools can can require, I think it's 30% of the time, or I, I apologize, I, I don't know exactly the numbers, but they – they require much less hours from okay. you a week. Okay. And he told me about University of Montana. All um, right. Montana. Never hunted there. Never really seen it. I'm going to go up and check it out. Uh, so I go up there on for football camp. Two days into the football camp, Bobby Houck offers me a scholarship on the 50-yard line of the Grizz Stadium. One yep. of the best experiences of my life. I'll never forget that experience. It was amazing. Um, him and I had a really good conversation about playing football there and this is the middle of my senior year or sorry going into my senior year um, and then he said during the season I want you to come up and see a football game I said yep, yeah no problem I'm coming up I want to see this yeah. I loved the campus I loved Montana I was up there in the summertime for that camp the river running right through the campus yeah. it was beautiful so um, middle of my senior year of, of high school playing football I go up there on a, on an official visit they fly me up there they put me with a host well the host that I had was picking me up for the game on Saturday. Uh-huh. He had seven greenheads in the back of his truck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying, I'm, you're on the football team. What, what is this? Yeah. Well, you know, I I go down on the river with my dad uh, before every every football game, uh, home game on Saturdays. It's just something we do. Like, so you're telling me you can go to the river, shoot ducks, and be back for football for your football game? Yeah, yeah on the late games. That's that's what we do. Okay. I said right there, I'm in. <laughs> I, I accept. I'm in. I'm done. <laughs> like hunting 'cause cuz i hunting was never easy for me it was right. never that easy so yeah. when i saw that i fell in love with montana um to make this the story shorter i played out the rest of my senior year and got hurt again at the very end of my year yeah and i i went through a struggle of trying to decide if i'm still going to play football yeah. but i just constantly had that um that hunting passion eating at me just telling me go have you know go do what you want to do right football isn't going to be there it, it, I wasn't going to the NFL. I knew yeah. I wasn't going to the NFL. So yeah. really it was four more years of getting hurt playing still fun. I, like I said, I'm very yeah. competitive. Um, but I found to be competitive in other ways and decided not to play yeah. and, uh, still went up to university of Montana cause the hunting was easy. So yeah. I got there and, uh, to this day, my dad still doesn't know how I graduated <laughs>
0: all I did was hunt you know it was awesome It's funny that in some universities people go there and the extracurricular activities are not as wholesome as hunting exactly but some of those schools you mentioned uh a lot of the schools in the Rockies mm-hmm. hunting and fishing are a huge part of the the extracurricular activity i agree and uh so that that's an interesting story so you you do that you get out of missoula and
1: so when i was in missoula i was <laughs> technically a lot of the selfish talk uh, about building insider when i was up there i was shooting a lot of ducks and i was having fun um but i couldn't really find a lot of information on big game hunting i wanted to go shoot some bulls and shoot some white tail i never killed a white tail yet yeah um but only killed some mule deer and some bulls down here in the south, and. Uh, I wanted to know where I could hunt how I could hunt how I could get the tags and uh, I'm not the biggest um, you know bookworm on the planet I yeah. don't like reading I hate state state proclamation <laughs> so I'd get about 10 <laughs> minutes into it and I'm like yeah, I'm gonna go shoot ducks this yeah. is ridiculous you know <laughs> but I met a couple guys up there who were were residents of Montana and they kind of let me into the insight of how i could draw some tags how i could draw the combo tags i love that program up there in mm-hmm. montana drawing the deer and elk tags yeah um and then i started i started getting into big game up there but i just could not believe how hard it was right to yeah. figure out all i wanted to do was go hunting that's all i wanted to do yeah. and everybody all the residents and everybody around me were doing it because they've grown up there and they right. knew what the system was yep but if they were thrown into the nevada system they'd have no idea what to do either exactly so figured out you know, how how to get the tags and that's borderline what sparked the the idea for Insider. Mm-hmm. Um I come from a long history of, of family business. My family has very good business here in Las Vegas. That's yeah. why I was born and raised here. We're we're from the casino and gaming industry. Yeah. Um which again is very numbers and analytics and data oh, heavy. Yeah. And if you understand <laughs> that you understand gaming. Right. So that's what my head has always really understood. The more informed you can be on numbers and analytics and data and trends, the better you're going to be in the future. And so with hunting, with proclamations and all these things, what hunters are looking at, there is never trends and analytics and data in front of them. It's just when the hunt is, where the hunt is, the dates that it's offered, and that's it. Maybe some draw odds out there here and there, but that was really all there was. So I just... I figured there had to be a better way and when I started looking there wasn't there, there was not there a better was way not there. I'll, I'll and, tell you there was not. right <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't believe it And all, uh, being mm-hmm. in my young 20s in college and being around a bunch of my friends and all we were doing was hunting some of my ideas were not good obviously <laughs> like being a young guy yeah hardly yeah. know anything yeah uh, but some of them were good and some of them stuck and, and I'm very close with my dad he's an, an amazing role model for me he's nothing but great things for me and the family and he's always there for me so i started bouncing ideas off of him um he's a unbelievably good visionary for business Uh that's that's how he's done what he's been able to do is his his, the vision of what he knows is just it's it's perfect so um i i said some things to him and he wasn't really grasping the hunting industry he didn't really know because i was going about it the wrong way of telling him but once Uh i opened up the hood to how great the hunting industry is how open it is how the the annual revenues that all these companies are producing and all these things um he really opened up to me and sat down and he's like wow okay like this this could be something real well he went on an an his 30th anniversary with my mother to france okay and when he got home he called me right away and he says you got to get over here for for family dinner you have to come over i said okay got it Uh come over so I go over to to a family dinner. I sit down at the kitchen table, and he looks at me and goes, "I got it. I n- I know what a business could be." I said, "Okay, what is it? It's an online destination, everything in one spot." Yeah. Said, so, "Perfect. You know, it was 50% of what I had been talking about. I just didn't know how to really what the model was yet." Yeah. So he he put that together, and uh, from there, we went out and find the found the right guys. You brought up Chris, Chris Porter. He's yep. my COO of uh, of Go Hunt. And I owe a, a ton of credit to Chris because without him, I, I didn't know anything about the online mm-hmm. world. I didn't know about the user experience and how things are supposed to flow and the architecture of websites. I had no idea. Right. All I knew was what the information I wanted, yep. and I wanted to find it easily. Like I said, I don't like reading. I don't like the state proclamations. They're ugly. They give you headaches. Yep. <laughs> they're small text. <laughs> yep. you know? So I I knew what was in my head. So he he was – Great in the process of me being able to kind of offload what was in my head. Him taking that and producing it on a website because yeah. he's from Full Tilt Poker, which is also an online right. uh, online gaming. Um, poker was was huge with Full Tilt and um, Poker Stars when they yeah. were kind of going through the battle. So he was part of the marketing and building the website, and they had unbelievable amount of user traffic on their yeah. website. So he knew what users wanted, how they flowed through websites, all this stuff, and he had never hunted before. But I didn't care. <laughs> I had right. hunted before. I knew <laughs> right. I knew that world. I didn't need another hunter on my team. I needed somebody who could take what was in my head and make it right on a computer. Yeah. Um, so I approached him with the opportunity and kind of pitched him on the industry and how open it was and how much opportunity there is. And it, it says a lot about his trust in go hunt his trust in the hunting industry. He jumped ship from the online poker industry and came over and started working for us. Wow. So. Between him and I, we made some very good hires, some very good technology guys. Andrew Baca, who I went to high school with randomly, oh, sent yeah. us yeah, sent us an application about being our technology guy. And uh, I hadn't seen him since high school. Barely even knew him in high school. He was two years older than me in, in grades. Huh? So I barely knew him. Um, but, yeah, he, he – wrote us an application we called him in and ended up hiring him so he runs all of our technology he's a great guy he's from here in in las vegas as well he was running all of the uh um like event and hotel bookings for yep. the sands corporation okay. a huge corporation right. um so he has a very good technology background and between them too we you know we've uh we've done something
0: really cool yeah you like really you, cool you have and and for those of you who are listening to this uh I would encourage you to go out to GoHunt.com because besides the, you know, the intensive data information, there are a ton of really good articles you guys always have. Yeah. You, It's fresh content. I mean, it's not like one of these sites where one guy wrote a story and you show up there 18 months later and the yeah, same story still is still, still on the page. I mean, the brady and the and the crew you have i mean they're they're the real deal the guys brady's awesome you, you guys have the folks you guys have writing this stuff and researching i i get on the phone i talk to him and i i was talking to him down on the floor <laughs> at the show and you just know that these these folks they've been there they've done that and and there's you know occasionally there's a funny story there or yeah. kind of there's some pictures that are are good humor but a lot of it is very relevant to anyone who's interested in this western Correct. hunting gig and yeah. and uh again I I don't care if you're from Iowa or South Carolina and you want to come out and and do this I I'm excited because you guys have built the bridge that crosses the huge canyon Randy Newberg was scrambling to get across for 20 years to all the fruit of information. Right. <laughs> and uh so uh for those of you who who are listening, I I would say go just go look at it and uh you're going to find there's a a lot of valuable yeah. stuff there and so the I can we talk about what you guys showed me? The the kind of absolutely under yeah. under the hood thing. So I think
1: it's a good a good time to start sharing the the under the hood stuff. Okay,
0: so one of the things that has always been missing, and part of this is because states, they, I don't know who is in charge of the technology stuff at these state agencies, but trying to get draw odds in any usable format from state agencies can be I get frustrated beyond Near beyond impossible. Beyond frustrated. And you say, Well, I need to, it broke out by resident and non resident. Well, we're sorry we don't give it to you that way. Well, I know that, but it'd really be useful to us if you could mm-hmm. and so I <clears throat> I'm down on the uh, on the at the Elk Camp uh trade show yesterday and walk over to the go hunt booth and I see that Lorenzo has this big smile on his <laughs> face, like, wait till you see uh, what we got. And uh, the the one thing that is at the core, I, I think, of, of getting tags and, and doing your research and analysis about where should I apply, what are the trends, how can I have something, at least moderately predictive of, of what my odds are, mm-hmm. has always been that draw odds thing. So you guys, are, are wrapping all that yeah in i
1: mean dealing with state agencies is never easy right the, you know we we try to move as fast as possible to to keep all of our users informed with really daily updates of what's going on within units or within animal trends or anything like that but the draws is just it was tough they yeah. the states don't um i mean they ingest the information Right. broke out as, like we were talking about before, with the preference points and the bonus points and first pass and second pass and first choice and third choice, they they ingest all of that information. But when they put it in their Excel formats and their PDFs, right. most states uh, I'll kind of generalize it here but most states only will produce first choice. right? First pass, first choice, and that's it. Yep. New Mexico being one of them. Nevada being yeah. Nevada is probably the worst of, they only produce that first choice which is a it's nothing for Nevada because the first and fifth, as you know, right. are exactly the same important. So it comes down right. to a lot of different other math levels than just what the what the first choice was. Um, and then Arizona with their first pass, second pass, and bonus pass. Right. Like it's it's just crazy, and they, they don't they don't make that information publicly available. Right. Well, we uh, I w- I, I've got to give huge credit to the to the team of gohan i mean that's what we focused on from the very beginning was putting the right pl- right people in place that know how to get the information what information we need and actually go get it done and get it yeah so we have uh, hounded down the state agencies in arizona <laughs> and nevada <laughs> and all these places and it's taken uh, i mean we we would have loved to have draw odds a year ago but mm-hmm. the w- what we're committed to is we want to be the best we want to have the most accurate information and be the best at it so it wasn't right we didn't have the right information we would have, we would be on par with you know majority of what's out there for for draws we said let's take our time and do it the right way so finally finally we uh we've got the information we need from the states they worked well with us arizona yeah. turned out to be very nice to us yeah. um, nevada's being very nice to us now and some of these more uh you know, more in depth, the draw odd states like those. New Mexico, obviously, is very, very easy because there's no bonus points, there's no preference points. It's right. just the number of tags and number right. of applicants. That's it. Yep. Um, so that's easy. But uh, yeah, these other states that were just tough, we finally went out there and really figured it out. And Andrew Baca, that our our he kind of led the draw odds charge of how it was going to be architected and how it was going to um, be presented to the website and really what the what the end numbers are going to be. He's a very smart guy, obviously run ar- running our technology, but he's very math savvy too. Mm-hmm. So um, he's going to get mad at me. But we have <laughs> we have I can't even pronounce it. Like I literally cannot even pronounce what our predictive draw odds are called. We went out to a, a data scientist. He's uh-huh. li- literally gets paid to to architect data to tell a story that's what he does he does it for a lot of other companies healthcare is big into telling story through data like I said being from the gaming industry if you know enough data and analytics you can tell the end story and you can forecast what's going to happen but he this guy we went out to this data scientist we went out to in San Diego he built us our own Math model, and it's got a word that I can't even pronounce. I have no <laughs> no idea what it is, but uh, it's it's the forecasting and predictive nature of draw odds. Because as you know, whenever you're talking about probabilities, there's right. there's no real outcome. It's it's total gray area, like yep. the Engli- English language, right? right. If you want to put a comma, it's okay. But if you don't, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> you know, and and it's uh, it's just tough. But he our forecasting and and predictive draw odds are next level awesome and it's what i get excited about because now finally being from nevada i know what my draws are now right. and, and i never did before
0: and and for those of you listening i'm just going to try explain how complicated this is because those of us who've been doing it for years make some assumptions that everyone else yeah. is familiar so in nevada there's a resident pool and, and a, a non resident pool. pool. So, right away, they split how many tags are given to residents and how many. 90% of
1: the tags go to the residents, 10% right. go to the non residents.
0: Right. So, those of us who are non residents, we get this pool of tags. And Nevada looks at every one of your five choices Correct. before they go on to the next guy. Correct. So, a strategy always is well, my first probably choice one through three or one through the stars yeah what the heck if i'm lucky maybe i'm going to get the great tag the the high demand tag but my fifth choice i'm going to throw one in there that's either middle of the road or or somewhat likely to draw Yeah. yeah and so when you sit down and try to calculate the probabilities when you have five variables that are i i don't I took stats and probability in college, but I can't remember all the exclusive, mutually exclusive. All. Someone listening to I this no who's, a, who's a probability and statistician <laughs> guy is going to say those guys hack that up. But, exactly. So you think about how complicated that math is. And, and not only do you have to worry about those five choices, you have to worry about how many people at what point, point level. level you're competing against. Because – and then – add to that that Nevada squares your points your bonus points so if i've got 5 bonus points Nevada says all right we're going to assign you 26 random numbers and here's how they get to 26 5 squared is 25 plus your current year application plus that year's application right so you our Randy in that case gets 26 random numbers and I Of my 26, they say, here's the lowest of your random numbers. You're going into the draw. With 25 of the other ones go out the door. Right. So you start building how complicated that is for the guy like me. And, and I'm a CPA in my other life, so I'm pretty handy with Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> well beyond what I can do. <clears throat> I, I mean, numbers, you know, I... I don't mean to boast, but Randy might be the Charlie Daniels of the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> it, maybe not all the way, but close. But even that, I have spent years trying to figure out how do you do that. And let, let's go to even a simpler state. Like you said, New Mexico. New Mexico, again, has a pool of resident tags, a pool of guided non-resident tags, and a yep. pool of non-guided nuts. Non- non-resident tags and they don't have a point system so you don't have all the complications that you do in Nevada but they look at your first three choices correct before they go on to the next guy. correct whereas my home state of Montana they look at everybody's first choice and then if there are any tags left over they look at what's everybody's second choice so Mm -hmm. every state kind of has this weird way to do it it's which change, which
1: changes your strategy for each state.
0: By each state. Th- oh, which yeah. Fully sure. changes the strategy. Yeah. And, and if that wasn't complicated enough, Wyoming... <laughs> oh,
1: God. The Wyoming, special draw and regular draw. Yeah.
0: Wyoming has a resident draw and a non-resident draw. And then in the non-resident draw, they split it into two parts. 60% of the tags go into what they call the regular non-resident draw, which is a, a low... they call it regular because that's your regular pricing and then they have what they call the special draw where the other 40% of the non-resident tags go into that pool and you pay a premium to be in that pool to have better draw odds right technically yeah so as if that isn't complicated enough Wyoming then says of the pool of tags in each of those buckets Randy just mentioned we are going to issue 75% of those tags based on who's got the most preference points Mm -hmm. and so if you don't draw on the preference points then you get thrown over into this other place that they call the random draw for the remaining 25 percent of the tags for that unit with it so (coughs) i when i go and do seminars that are not in the west because those of us in the west kind of just take for granted that you know what you better be a good numbers
1: Dude. And this is the only life that I know. I've never had the, uh, the ability to just go buy a tag right. being from Nevada.
0: Yeah. And so when I talk to Midwesterners, people in the southeast or on the east coast, they'll tell me, you know what? You guys have come up with such elaborate, ridiculous schemes I'm not even applying. I, yeah. I, I can't even deal with it. I, I need, you know, I, I'm not going to spend three days just to learn how that works and i get that but the flip side of it is those people still want to come and hunt out here so you are you got well you guys have built here to me is the the riddle solver the yeah. the i guess if you want to call it shortcut to for sure it's it, definitely a shortcut yeah and now that i see go okay, back and uh, see here's the thing about podcasts you can get on all these funky tangents <laughs> yeah, like right. i just did what we were trying to get to is the new features that you guys are coming out with Mm -hmm. and the draw odds part of it is going to be so so cool but then you got this other filtering 2.0 yeah and uh like let's use again we'll we'll continue to use nevada because one thing about nevada is there's mandatory harvest reporting in nevada so they their data is very good, very detailed. Yeah, <clears throat> so Nevada can tell you for mule deer what not just what the success rate was, how many bucks were taken, how many does were taken, of those bucks, how many of them were four pointer better. Uh, or exactly. They, they even with elk, how many of the elk had fifty inch main beam or and greater? And six pointer better. Six pointer better. It's I mean, crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, and so you guys are taking all that extra data, mm-hmm. putting it in the system. And Correct. you're going to allow your users, your subscribers, to sort it by that kind exactly. of criteria. And,
1: and what what we were dealing with before,
0: everything takes time to
1: build and, and get right. to fully what the vision was. Um, we launched Insider a year ago. Mm-hmm. Basically a year ago today. We launched the first day of RMEF show last year. Um, and we didn't have filtering 2.0. It was just a lot of information. Heavy. Pretty heavy in information. Yep. Um, a lot of reading. And... Um, But the information was there. So the people who understood where they wanted to look, the opportunities they were looking for, um, they knew where to go and could figure out their information. Well, now what we built is – what gets me excited (coughs) – sorry – is we finally are crossing what the vision – first was yeah which is the shortcut which is the easy way to not read the state proclamation to not read all this information that you really don't need and have the information that you want right next to you at the same time so it's just like what i compare it to um it's always easy to compare it to something especially just over over voice here but um like cars.com. You go to cars.com, you say, I want a Ford with 30,000 miles or less, yep. red, within 100 miles of me, and private seller only. Yep. And it'll filter down exactly what you're looking for. Eight, eight items will exactly, come Exactly. Eight, eight results will show. So what we've done is, because every state is so different, right, like we've been talking about right. for, the, for the last um, I don't know, half hour, but they're so different, you, you can't possibly understand all of them. And in all their little nuances, and what states offer rut hunt, uh, rut hunts, or what states don't, and all these things, what we did is, you tell us what state you want, Nevada. Yeah. You want elk. You want three, forty bulls or better, fifty percent harvest success or better, better than fifty percent chance of draw odds at seven non-resident points, and you know less than whatever private private amount of ground, and we will filter out all of the units that don't meet your criteria and then all the ones that do meet your criteria are right there in front of you. Yeah. And Then we have a pretty cool compare feature just like cars.com you can start comparing the two to, to, against each other, the two units or three units or whatever you just came up with and we'll start to tell you which ones have the most bulls with, with six point or better the yeah. bull to cow ra- ratios in each one and we d- we're talking a lot of data and, uh, and analytics a lot of people don't want all of that right? but if they don't want it, they don't just don't even need to filter that out or don't need to do anything for us. Right. Um, w- we're just in the, we just want to give everybody the most accurate, best information f- so they can be a more informed hunter, like you said. I mean, that's, yeah. that is when you're h- going to be hunting more, you're going to be taking better animals, you're going to be on better hunts when you know more information. Yeah. So that's it, what we're trying to do. Well,
0: uh, that is, you know, there's a lot of people out there who've tried to, you know, dabble in this. Yeah, know, there's some that you know, there's a few websites that have nothing but draw odds. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you get the disclaimer that says caution. First pass only this, or yeah, first this choice is only. First choice only yeah. or this is how we have to do it because it's a lot of work to do it beyond this. Yeah. Which gets you to the if if you're a n- a numbers junkie like I am, and I think a lot of our listeners, as a general rule, I think hunter hunters tend to be Numbers people tend to be analytic uh, kind For sure. of people. Um, what uh, in the CPA world we say the only thing worse than no information is incorrect information.
1: It is way <laughs> more dangerous. In a business we say the same thing. Wrong information is way worse than saying I don't know. Yeah. If you give me wrong information that is ten times worse than telling me I don't know.
0: Right. And so what you guys are gonna have here is something that is. A when I saw it yesterday, I, and here's the example: I I grabbed, I said, I, I told Ben, all right, log me into Nevada, and, and so I kind of felt like I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement <laughs> or something. I feel like I'm walking into Fort Knox, and I, and not that you guys treated me that way, but I we treat our product that way though. We're right. we
1: we keep closed doors on it until it's right, so right. people know that it's going to be right when they see it. Yeah,
0: and so my son has 15 elk points in Nevada. And I, I did exactly <laughs> a good problem to have right yeah, there. <laughs> I, I did exactly what you said. I put in his point total. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I want units where more than fifty percent of the elk have a fifty inch main beam. Mm-hmm. And where more than fifty percent of the elk harvested are six point or better. Mm-hmm. And in your map in Nevada, it started out with every unit that had elk and the ones that didn't meet my criteria this faded sp- away all of a sudden I'm looking at like six units is all exactly I'm like now if if I tried to go do all that at my desk at home days I on end yeah I would have needed to pack a lunch exactly <laughs> exactly so. and that's the
1: issue I was having growing uh, you know trying to figure out where my opportunities were um but I mean that's exactly the issue I was having and I can't stress enough I do not like to read especially state proclamations yeah. so the way that the internet has gone and what it's done for other industries the travel industry with, with Expedia and Kayak.com right. and all that stuff and the car industry apartment industry with all their filtering and Zillow those types of things Right. this has to be possible in hunting it's got to be yeah. the information is there the state's Some like Nevada have mandatory harvest harvest reporting, and then the states that don't, like Utah, their limited entry stuff has mandatory harvest reporting. They have to. They they have to if they're going to call it a limited entry. So Utah might not be as uh, as uh, you know filter heavy as Nevada because Nevada has mandatory, but their limited entry ones, where somebody's going to try to burn 19, 20 points on an elk tag, they're going to want to know and compare this type of information from unit to unit yeah um, th- and it's now it's right there in front of them
0: no doubt so obviously you and I uh, we sit when when we've met we just we're like two crazy guys yeah. talking about all this stuff and the listener has uh, i'm sure they're thinking man what are these guys got their you know th- they sit in there with pocket protectors and visors on like <laughs> like accountants in a dark room or something but it, i wanna ask you to just give me some a little bit of back- not background, but i and I ask this of just about every guest mm-hmm. um you've you've spent your whole life hunting, Lorenzo. It's obvious yeah. that when someone says hunting, Lorenzo sits up, his eyes sparkle, he gets a big smile on like you do I'm right a passionate now. <laughs> guy I, I'm a passionate guy I love to hunt um, any hunts in your life that you say you know what that was one of those events that caused me to say hunting is a big part of who i am i i want to be known as a hunter anything It's what i identify with yeah yes um
1: yes there is there's actually a a couple different stories um the first one that that happened to me with was i i I grew up hunting obviously but in utah and nevada my i have family property in Utah and we've had it for many generations yeah. my great 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 grandparents had it and that's where I've grown up hunting is in is in southern utah right outside of hatch utah okay um and i'd been hunting for a while shooting some shooting some animals i had a really good first experience hunting i shot a great mule deer buck with my dad here in nevada he's 12 years old he spotted it we bedded it i ended up killing it but i w- that's too young to really understand i in my opinion right, to really no. understand the m- what
0: happened right i agree what happened between my dad and
1: i what happened to us and killing this unbelievable deer the very first deer i ever killed is the deer of a lifetime it's Mm -hmm. over 200 (laughs) inches (laughs) and it's like but i was just too young to really understand what it was you know yeah um but anyways when i was in college just just outside of college i was i was it was the hunting season right when i graduated college there was a giant deer that was on our property Mm -hmm. big velvet six on one side all in line big four point side on the other and uh i put in a lot of time on him a lot of time and you take pride in that when you when you spend that much time yeah my family you know i was up there with my my cousin my uncles hanging trail cameras and tons of phone scope video and we found him in june right when i saw him in june i'm like i, li- I love the shape of him you don't know exactly what he's right. gonna be but he was coming straight up off his head and i like really tall i like tall that's yeah. what i like big g2s big tall <laughs> frames that's what i like and uh, and we just i put a ton of time into them blood mm-hmm. sweat and tears into them a week before the season disappears and i'm i'm losing my mind and <laughs> I, I work and live in las vegas i'm trying to uh, i'm this is before go hunt had started um but i'm, I'm trying to work here and, and get my job done i obviously yeah. job comes first if right. you don't have money you can't hunt yeah and uh I was just uh, – I was putting tons of time in him. He disappeared and I'm going crazy trying to find him, calling my uncles like crazy, driving up there, trying to find him again, trying to find him again. Can't ever find him. And it's to that point where when you put that much time into something, it just disappears. You've just left – you're so empty, right? Like yeah. you just – I don't know if it's happened to you or a lot of the listeners. Happ- I'm sure it's happened Happen to you to at some point, right? <laughs> and it, I just – I couldn't like get that feeling shook from me, right? Opening day comes – and my uncle and, uh, uncle and I are going through the property, and there he is. Ooh. 62 yards, standing on a hillside. 62 yards. Rifle or archery? Archery. Ooh. August, opening day, Utah. There he is. And he's he's giant by this time. He's yeah. got an inline on his four. He's got an inline off his main beam on the right side, and just a big four on the left side, and he's huge. And that's the closest I've been to him, obviously. And we're sitting there on the four with her, and talking, and I – this is—he's here. At least he's here, you know. Yeah. And there was a there's a water on that side of the property where we were going to. There's a little trough water that we have over there. And my uncle's like, "Well, are you going to go down there?" I said, "No, I'm not. I'm going to the other side of the property where mm. I had where we had seen him in the, from the very beginning of time." And he, well, why are you doing that? You're crazy. What that? Well, what the hell are you doing that for? He's yeah. right here. I said, "I don't. I, he's going that way. I just have a feeling he saw us here. I don't know why. I just I feel like he's going that way." Well, I go over there, and sure enough, here he comes walking out. Broad daylight, 52 yards, and make a terrible shot because I'm all by myself. Hit him far back in the liver. Um, but anyways, I knew I I knew I hit him to where I was going to kill him. I let him lay overnight, and go back there and find him the next day. And the first time I walked up to him and put my hands on him, he's it was an unbelievable deer. But like within my head and my body, I I just sat down this is what i used to feel in hunting this is, or sorry in football uh-huh. this is what i just like my competitive nature my success i like working hard for stuff and making stuff happen and it and it happened right there and i'm i'm sitting under a tree holding this deer and i'm just telling myself like this is who i am this is what i like to do this yeah. is me this is what i like to do i don't care much for you know getting crazy into golf or getting crazy into traveling or doing yeah. it this is what i do this is what yeah. i want to be known as and this is what i do um and i and i've had some really good experiences in my life some really bad experiences i've had bad ones that have also made me feel the same way yeah. um not necessarily during the hunt but i've i was chasing a deer in nevada for a couple of years and ended up getting shot off the side of the road by a 12 year old on a youth tag uh-huh. a giant deer i was chasing yeah. him for two years but coming back and talking to stories about people uh, with people and, a- and them asking me my hunting advice or input when i'm able to share those stories and and then they learn something from my mistakes which i definitely made quite a few on that deer yeah um it, it's I, I like being in in those situations where i can help somebody with their hunting information and i i, I just feel right in place when i'm doing those types of things yeah. right um but the the last one, which is kind of the the ceiling point, because it was really right when Gohan was going live. Yeah. Um, the idea was spun off. It wasn't live yet, but we were starting to build it. Chris was on on the team by this time. Mm-hmm. Um, doing the whole data thing, like you said, we were talking about New Mexico yeah. first choice through third choice. Somehow, some way, by the grace of God, I drew a bighorn sheep tag in New Mexico. Whoa. In 2013. Drew my second choice. Thank God, I paid attention right. and understood the first or third. Yeah. Drew drew my second choice, desert sheep tag in New Mexico. So, lucky. Right. And not to <laughs> on top of that, where I drew, there's two seasons, three tags for the first season, three tags for the second season. Yeah. I drew the first season, so okay. I had first shot at the sheep on the on the mountain too. Right. Um, but I ended up going down there by myself. I had a randomly I was talking to a buddy through Instagram I had never met him before ever in my life his name's is Vince Huff never met him before in my life and just through Instagram through social media him and I were doing a lot of the same things I was taking pictures of some desert, desert sheep in Nevada he lives in Reno um, we were just kind of going back and forth about hunting and he had some Nevada tags at the same time I did anyways I couldn't get my brother or anybody because of work obviously yeah. um, to get to, to get on this hunt with me so I go down there by myself and I just I tell Vince like, hey he owns his own granite company. I said, hey, would you mind coming on the sheep hunt with me? I drew I drew a desert sheep tag. Like, uh, I just need a little bit of help. I want to make sure this goes right. Yeah, sure. So he flies in. I pick him up. We hit the, the sheep unit. The hunt opened on a Tuesday. We started scouting on a Saturday. Um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Monday night I find the ram that I ended up killing. And to make a long story short because you know hunting stories when they're your own mean a lot more to you right. than you could ever voice for sure um but that just the, how hard that hunt was there's yeah. one ram per square mile down there it's not like nevada where i know what i've been on sheep hunts here and you see 40 rams a day because yeah. you get to hunt them in november and you right. know they're kind of rutted right. up right. a little bit and they're yep they're all together um man when i was down there there's one ram per square mile and it was just tough rattlesnakes yeah. and Bugs, Cactus, the si- yeah, yeah. bugs the size of boulders that are <laughs> trying to bite your face off the whole time. It was just crazy. It was an unbelievable experience. I had just met Vince Huff. Him and I got extremely close in just a short amount of time because of what we were going through down there. Right. Dust storms. Not to mention, I'm on the Mexico border. I have There's literally people carrying backpacks coming through. I have Border Patrol helicopters flying over my head. It was wow. the most insane, insane hunting trip of my life. But again, worked hard, found a ram, and... The hunt opened on Tuesday. I ended up killing him Wednesday night. Cool. And it's a book ram. It's a 172-inch gross ram, 170 net. And it's just, it's something in my head that I I had the right information. I applied for the right hunt. I got lucky. Everybody needs to get lucky. Right. And then I went and put the work in. And, again, this was right when Go Hunt was going live, and I was telling Vince Huff about it. He didn't know I was working on a new company. Yeah. He knew my family business and the whole deal. Yeah but i was telling him so i got to share those stories and see him light up about this idea and what we were working on and got to share the experience of desert sheep hunting i mean uh, it's crazy cool. to be able to do that to, uh, to
0: do that right it, it is and so e- i think that you and your company maybe is underplaying the next step of what i'm going to get into here you guys are big supporters of the conservation group huge supporters and when you have an experience, like you just... And, and like you said, words don't do it justice, <clears throat> but if people were here watching you and your body language of how much this yeah. meant to you, I, I got the I, full feel of it because I'm sitting right here next to you and, and I see that, you know what, Lorenzo, that, that story means a lot to yeah. him. But that translates to how committed you guys are to the conservation world. Correct. And you know i i go to the elk foundation events you guys are there i go you know it's it sheep like show in reno and yeah, we're there and we right. go to
1: isc in sacramento oh. and all
0: these places right yeah. and so <coughs> i think people who uh, who take hunting to such a level of passion and identity as you're describing mm-hmm. seem to have this just h- how do i say it just almost intuitive and inherent connection that this was a unique opportunity that i am so grateful for in some way shape or form i'm going to give back in a way that someone else is going to get i want somebody
1: else to be able to experience what i was able to experience absolutely yeah and and, and rmef which we're here at uh, i absolutely love that organization and what they do for people to give people the ability to hunt elk elk are doing phenomenal across every state they're in right now yeah tags are going up even in Nevada the tag quotas are going up for good reason there's right. enough area and there's enough good bull elk to 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 be harvested but yeah. my favorite thing that they say is hunting is conservation and it is right i had my turn hunting desert sheep in new mexico i i want to get back to the sheep organizations and let yep. somebody else experience what I was able to do and the elk hunting the same way hunting a bull elk in the rut I mean you'd probably do that more than anybody (laughs) and it's 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 something so special and I think hunting in in general uh one thing I'd like I I love about hunting and what it's done for me and the relationship relationship between me and my brother my father um, it instills huge levels of gratitude responsibility and and I think both of those make you committed to conservation because when, when you feel the gratitude of harvesting an unbelievable animal and all the experience you just went through with close friends or family or whatever it is, and the responsibility of taking an animal properly, morally, put it in the freezer, you know, have that memory on your wall, all those things, uh, You can't help but be connected to conservation in the end because you you want that for your kids selfishly I want that for my kids absolutely, and Mm. I and I want other people to experience it too. So when I'm at these shows, I can have somebody come up to me, oh man, I drew a sheep tag. Let me tell you the story. And I get to watch somebody else tell me their sheep story instead of me and always telling them. You know. Yeah. And it's just uh yeah, it's something that we love and we will always support conservation. That is the biggest part of hunting to us. And without conservation, it doesn't exist in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And that I and I I know our listeners are like Randy. Everybody who you have on your podcast or on your TV show, it's always about conservation, and and I hope nobody ever tires of us continually making that statement because there are people who have asked to be on this podcast, and how do I say this without offending somebody? But I I. D- I don't want to say they don't have a commitment to conservation, um, but it's not as demonstrated Mm -hmm. to me. And maybe they do behind the scenes, but my platforms are always going to be there. Like what you said, Lorenzo, that I, I want this podcast to always be able to have some leverage or be leveraged in some way for you, for me, whoever the next guests are to talk about what hunting means to me, yeah. how it's part of my culture, it's part of my identity and through conservation, it's going to connect me and my family to the land and that land is then going to be better, it's going to be healthier so that my children or my grandchildren or the next generation is exactly. going to get to shoot Well, maybe not a 200-inch mule deer when they're 12 (laughs) years old, but... That was pure luck. Pure luck. (laughs) But whether they want to just go and hunt for food, whether or not they, you know, want to spend a whole season chasing one deer and they know the odds are, you know what, I'm I'm not going to even fill my tag. Exactly. Whatever it is they want out of hunting, conservation is the mechanism by which that becomes possible. I fully agree. And... And in today's world... I mean, you live in a place where you can see the landscape change rapidly. Las Vegas. I mean, my wife is a Las Vegas girl. From the standpoint of she graduated from high school here. I don't want anyone thinking, oh, Randy went and found himself a dancing girl in Las Vegas. Boy, I, Uh. I almost stepped in it. Sorry, Kim. My wife graduated from Valley High School in Las Vegas. And... Her parents still live here. <coughs> when, she gra- when she graduated from high school, Vegas was 350,000 people. And someone said, well, why'd she graduate in high school in 1905? No, she graduated from high school in 1980. Yep. So here we are, you know, whatever it is, 30 years later. And this valley, like a lot of places, has just exploded. Yeah. The whole Wasatch Front of Salt yep. Lake. Phoenix, uh, you know, Denver, a lot of places that used to have the opportunity to go out and maybe shoot or hunt or screw around out in the, you know, the public lands near town. It you talk about how hard it was here as Vegas and other urban places grow, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder. And when that happens and that growth happens, habitat and and the places to do that the places the animals live are are what takes the brunt of that somebody has to protect them and yeah and we we as hunters have always been the guys who we just take it for granted that's our job yeah and, and uh, i yeah and i'm proud that we've always done it but there's a time i often think you know if we can just get the re- the non-hunting part to realize hey let us chip in a little bit let us help out holy cow could we do something? Could not agree more. And but that's how
1: I feel all the <coughs> time. And when I talk to, obviously living in Las Vegas, yeah, having a hunting company in Las Vegas, yeah, I run into a lot of people. I drive a truck that says GoHunt.com on the side of it, and yeah. everybody wants to know what it is. When I tell them hunting, immediately, majority of the time, uh, obviously unless it's a hunter, but if it's just somebody who doesn't hunt, yeah, more than 50 percent of the percent of the time, they shut me off right away because really? it's hunting. Yeah. And being in Las Vegas in these urban areas it's just um that is. It's just it's tough, right? Yeah. It, but the first thing I talk about is human expansion. Mm-hmm. And that's why RMEF and these conservation programs that protect the lands that the animals live on cuz nobody else is going to do it. Right. When I tell them about human expansion, well my responsibility and in, in my money and what I donate and what I do protects animals from human expansion they can't protect themselves from it right right the predators have to hunt less amount of acreage now because all the animals are condensed from human expansion right all these things add up i mean it's not it's not just buildings being built in las vegas nevada right, right. it's drought across the west there's less water less right. feed invasive, weed. invasive weeds invasive weeds so there's less browse for them yeah then you have the boom of predators with yeah. the with the introduction of wolves back in yellowstone yeah. now they're spreading like crazy they're in utah or, or yeah. utah <coughs> i hope they don't make it to norther- northern nevada anytime soon but yeah. um, with all these things i mean these animals are just yeah. they're bottlenecked they have yeah. nowhere to go so conservation literally is I- it is the cornerstone of how to protect hunting i mean it's the only way to
0: protect hunting yeah what you just said there struck me because I grew up in a town of 500 people way out in the boondocks of northern Minnesota where everyone where I wish <laughs> I grew up <laughs> <laughs> where everybody would hunt and fish and trap and I don't want to say it was like a subsistence culture of, you know, the <clears throat> arctic regions or something or uh, some other subsistence yeah. culture, but we ate wild game we ate fish. We it was as close to <coughs> subsistence culture with an AM/FM transistor radio as you could get. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And and those of us, <clears throat> even now living in Montana, where everybody hunts. Where, where I live in a town of thirty thousand people, and you walk down the street in November, and people like you get your elk. You know, in urban areas, and I'm sure a lot of listeners here are probably from some of those areas they're i I don't think guys who come from a place like i do appreciate enough of what it is to live in a las vegas or a los angeles or whatever yeah where you really are the lonely voice in the wilderness you know you say that's how it feels yeah
1: but I, i in um I appreciate the responsibility i'm I'm not going to say I'm the most educated guy in the world. I don't have my master's degree or anything like that, but I understand the world to the yeah. m- for the most part, especially the wildlife and uh I- and i i I enjoy talking to people and educating them on our side in yeah. a place like las vegas and obviously some people just don't want to listen right. let yeah. them walk by right yeah. But um for the most part like it's uh I enjoy the responsibility of, of, of showing people what conservation really is and what hunting yeah. really is, which it is conservation.
0: Right. You know, that's yeah. uh, I just mean, the a way perfect, it goes. Perfect example here, and, and I'm going to use Las Vegas because this is where we're at. I'm going to use Nevada. But if we were sitting in Colorado, we could talk about a similar group or, or if we were sitting in, you know, who knows where we can talk about other groups. But uh, in Nevada – when I went to college here, the number of desert bighorn sheep was very, very low. I mean, it's, it's not, really like they, low. It, not like they not like they're extinct, but to draw a desert bighorn sheep tag in 1986, it was like holy cow! You, it's almost like you got picked to fly the space shuttle yeah. or something. Yeah. Through the work of a lot of volunteers through Nevada Division of Wildlife. Nevada Bighorns Unlimited. Nevada has more wild rams, wild sheep, yep. at any point in, in in its statehood since what, 1864 or I f- I whatever. Believe, yeah, yeah, I believe it's. And that didn't just, you know, I think a lot of people, because if you drive out by Hoover Dam, you will see sheep along the highway.
1: Absolutely. If, if no you, question if, you will see a
0: ram. Like it, a
1: good ram too.
0: Right. I've if you drive the highway from here to Pahrump, where my, my in-laws live, there are desert sheep along the highway. Yep. And I think people drive there, and I'll see them pulled off to the side taking pictures with their iPhone and stuff. And I often wish I, – I, dang, too bad they don't know.
1: What it took to get exactly. them back there.
0: Who funded it? Who who carried the load? Who made the sacrifice? Who who invested in this? Exactly. Who made it a priority? It it's the untold story, and and and
1: it's the story so easily overlooked, yeah. so easily overlooked.
0: And, and I think part of why it's overlooked is sometimes we as hunters don't even know our own story, so it's hard for us to tell our own story if I'm we aren't fully fully aware agree of it. with that. And uh, but it, you know I'm I'm saying this here about desert sheep in Nevada. You could probably go to Utah and say the same thing about elk because there was a time Absolutely. Utah elk numbers were extremely
1: in the crapper. Low. Yes,
0: and now extremely low. You know, on the Wasatch Front, they're saying in, in some places we got too many elk here. Over-the-counter
1: tags now. Yeah, guaranteed tag uh, tag opportunities.
0: Who would have ever thought? At least what I knew of Utah in the 70s and 80s, when I was first starting to think about oh, the West, maybe someday I could hunt out there. I would have never dreamed that Utah would have any place that complained about we got too many elk and because of hunters, because of conservation funding, because of volunteerism, and in some places because of some really good private land stewards also. Exactly. I mean, mean, you take all that combination, and we are, for most species, we're living in the good old days.
1: I believe so. I really do. I really think we are.
0: and, And I hope though that my son's 25 and dang it matthew get with the program get me some grandkids here but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i hope when he is 51 he says man we're living the good old days yep and because that that would be the cool part of it but it gets back to go hunt it gets back to you your your family your your how hunting is part of your family and you're like a lot of hunters. You, yeah, you, conservation is is king. It, exactly. It, and
1: uh, it, there's inherent conservation value in GoHunt.com and the Insider Program as well, because, like I said, those states ingest that information the, of the six pointer better and the and not necessarily just the draws of all the first pass and all that stuff and the number of applicants, true number of applicants and how much money they're raising, what point levels and that's how you really find out how much the state's raising is the point levels if a guy's got 10 points he's invested for 10 years and all that stuff right, right. but they also ingest the data of the animals you go out to the biologists and they're running they know the bull to cow and, or i should right. say male to female ratios but yeah. bull to cow ratios buck to, buck to doe ratios all those things um four point or better six point or better harvest success rates with you know the trend of tag quotas all those things we have all of that and we now track it for them. That's why Arizona has been so well to us. Because yeah. they understand what we are doing for the hunter to understand what the investment into their applications yep. does for the state. Right. right? Like, the more money, they protect the animals. and The states want more people applying in, in their state. Right. right? It's more money for the state. It's more protection for the animals. It's more, um, more funding for water projects with drought hitting the west so hard and, and yep. all these things. But there's an inherent conservation value to Insider. And I am extremely proud of that. I'm not going to say that was the original idea right. for conservation, but it's it's really helped. Like it really it really has helped and that's why RMEF uh, takes a liking to us as well. Oh, yeah. We can we can prove the su- success story of elk across the west. When yeah. you're looking at the trends of mature animals being killed, six point animals being killed, those types yeah. of things. It's uh I mean the proofs in the numbers. Yeah, the numbers don't lie, right? That's yep. whatever everybody's always been told since yep. they were a kid. The don't lie. <laughs> yeah. So if the numbers yeah. are there, it's working. Yeah. Right? So it's uh, it's it's awesome to ingest that and and actually show the users what has happened and what's working. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I I was talking to you guys, and I don't know if you were there or if it was Chris or Brady or whoever. Randy Newberg has 19 Colorado elk points. I was standing there. That's crazy. It's awesome, though. Yeah, it's not because I'm saving them for, oh, I'm going to wait until this unit. It's just because I've never been able to bring together all the data that I was comfortable with. The, okay, that that's where I want to go. This would be a cool hunt. It's important to me. And the last few years, I've been really lucky by the time the Colorado apps came along. Uh, I'd already had a pretty full schedule. So I, the last three years, I've just bought points yep. in Colorado. I'm thinking this year, I'm going to sit down with my Insider subscription and I'm going to figure out a way and a place to <laughs> Love in, it. invest Nineteen years of Colorado elk points, and uh, I think it'd be fun to almost walk my viewers and my listeners I and my, and my, my awesome. web users. And I think Colorado's
1: a great state to have that problem. Yeah, it's there's a lot of good opportunity for great bulls in Colorado.
0: Yeah, and and because my show is you know all public land, all self guided. That's you know just our our gig. It ha, Having all that data you guys have gives me so much of that. I mean, there's some places where I know there's really great bucks or bulls there, high bull-to-cow ratios, and the rods are super good. I'm like, well, just by default, I can almost tell you that access must be an issue yes, there then. Exactly. exactly. Um, so I, I'm i just thinking that through. Of I wonder what i should do with those 19 points because when, when you were talking earlier about how so much of this is sortable and and, and through your what do you call it filter filtering 2.0 2. um I, I, that bag of points is getting heavy yeah <laughs> it's time to empty <laughs> it but yeah. so it's a blessing and a curse to it, have that many points it really right. is it, it is but uh so uh we, we've been at this for a little over an hour lorenzo but i is there uh there, there. Anything else that uh, our listeners uh, that that we haven't covered that you like, Randy? Don't you know? Don't forget about this. But I'm. Uh,
1: I i do not think they want to know any more about me. <laughs> 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 Maybe, but uh, um.
0: Well, I you know? and I, I think our audience knows that Randy Newberg, uh, the way he's approached this, is. I don't. I don't use equipment or services. Just. Because I I want to do the trendy thing or I want to this or that. I, everything they see me wearing and using is stuff that I, a lot of it I don't get paid to use. A lot of it I was using way before the TV show and since the TV show, a lot of the competitors have come and offered me money yeah. and I'm like, no, that it's not something I think my viewers is going to get benefit out of but thank you, it's flattering, you want me to blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And uh Kind of your guys' same thing. So just in full disclosure here, folks, uh, last winter when I when they let me uh, in the the back room, I'll yeah, call it the dark room, Yeah. showed you everything going on. Yeah, I said, guys, I'm gonna pay for your subscription because I don't want any you know anything here, and I just want you guys to answer my questions and let me kind of kick the tires and yep. beat on it with a hammer and they did that and then they're like you have at it newberg if you can find anything better you let us <laughs> know and uh I,
1: I remember that conversation well and that's why uh, and that's why we uh you know we like talking to you and hearing your input cuz right away when when you walked in that office you told us right away look i don't use things to just say that i use them right. if it's going to better my the the people that watch my show and the people that listen to what i say then I'll use it, but right. I'm not going to do it just to do it. Right, and right away, I felt like that was exactly what I wanted to hear because it was it was going to be proof that we were onto something if you you know if you bought off on it. So yeah. it's uh cool. it's been good since since then, I believe. Yeah,
0: it it has, and I I'm just I'm excited for uh for the new stuff that's coming out, which we can't let the viewer go without. Don't you guys have some sort of Promo thing where if someone correct. Signs up. So if anybody signs
1: up with the promo code Hunt Talk,
0: as I said at the beginning of this podcast, we'd recorded this in December about two months ago, and uh, since that time, I got to talking with Lorenzo, and we came up with a really cool idea to maybe involve one of our other partners in the promotional opportunity for anyone who signs up for the Go Hunt Insider. And the partner that we're including in that is Gerber. Uh, Gerber makes a scalpel blade knife called the Vital. And what they've offered is anyone who signs up to the Go Hunt Insider service. So you to go go to gohunt.com/slash insider, and if you use the promo code Hunt H U N T T A L K, you will get a Gerber vital knife, the scalpel blade folding disposable blade knife that I use when I'm out there in the field. So I just wanted to cut and put that segment in here to make sure that all of you listening ended up taking advantage of this great opportunity, the promotional opportunity that is there by using the hunt talk promo code. When you go to gohunt.com forward slash insider. Well, Lorenzo, that is cool stuff. I uh, I hope we get uh, get to maybe someday spend a day out in the hills. I'd love to chasing out or I'd chasing deer or whatever. Something. So I, I I know we're at the Elk Foundation thing, but when when we were talking last year, and I told you guys how crazy I was about pronghorn. Yeah. You guys looked at me like, what? Yep. I, I thought you were the elk guy. And don't get me wrong. I, I And this is my last question for you. Someone comes to Lorenzo and says, "You have the choice. you only get to pick one weapon and you gotta hunt with that weapon the rest of your life, and you only get to hunt one species the rest of your life. What weapon species combination is Lorenzo hunting if that's the only thing he yeah. gets to hunt the rest of his life so <laughs> i've I've been
1: asked this. Quite a bit, actually, and I love and hate this question at the same time because <laughs> I hate to think that that could actually like right. you would have to choose, right? right? Yeah. And I choose death, really. But no, um, <laughs> really, would uh, if I if I absolutely had to choose because I love all the different animals for a lot of different reasons. Yep. And elk in the rut is the pinnacle of hunting, oh. in my opinion. Yeah. A bull elk is. in the rut with a bow in your hands is as good as it gets. Yeah. But if I had to choose, like eating one type of food for the rest of my life, doing this one type of hunting as painful as it is for me to say because i'd miss out on so much else it would be bow hunting and it'd be mule deer yeah i just i love the fact mule deer are um they're just they're so dynamic and complex in all in all forms of themselves the way they grow their horns are all different yeah. right even the typicals they all look different you can tell them apart easily yeah. very very easily the way they act at dur- different times of of you know their life stages, uh-huh. their age class. They act totally different. The different times of the year, the rut, the early August, October. Um, they're just so dynamic to me. It's always changing, so yeah. it never gets old to me. I always, I, I'll, I'll always take a mule deer tag because it's always going to be different. Wow. That's why I like it. Cool. But in bow hunting, just for the pure fact, I love having a rifle in my hands because yeah. you, you want the. What I've always been told is you want you want the. Uh, the most confident hunter on the mountain put a gun in a bow hunter's hands and that's how i feel right? <laughs> that's right so i love having a gun in my hands but if i had to hunt for the rest of my life with one weapon it would be a bow just for the sole fact that you would always have to work
0: for it yeah. it would never come easy that that is true and when you said that i'm thinking is that almost a condition of employment at go hunt because uh, <laughs> at, right I, I mean i i read brady's hunting stuff yeah. serious archery mule there I mean, serious you archery guys though. have some serious archery mule deer stories correct on go hunt it It. it's good stuff and <laughs> good ones and very bad ones
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's very just sad ones. that's just part of hunting exactly. but
0: well it's that that's i'm always interested in that not not because uh i i ask it for any reason other than just my own personal interest of Okay, I've got this crazy thing about rifles and pronghorn, Mm -hmm. that if pronghorn were the size of elk, because they're so good to eat, I'd probably have to say my one thing would be pronghorn. But because elk with a bow is so fun, and you get a lot of really good meat, I, I mean way more than a pronghorn, Yeah, I... I think for me, it's like this neck and neck race. And, like you, I don't, I almost feel guilty excluding one animal because every one of them are so cool and unique. Exactly. And and opportunities are so, so intriguing that uh, I, I almost feel like I shouldn't even ask that question of you or, or express it of myself. But it's fun uh, to tempt yourself with that,
1: though, to really, yeah. to really understand where you're at yep. with hunting.
0: It is. And, and I'll tell you, when I've asked that question, not necessarily on the podcast, but other places, a lot of it is regional.
1: Yeah, um, I fully agree. It, fully agree. When you go to Montana, nobody talks about mule deer. Right. If you ask that question, nobody brings up mule deer. Yep. You come down here, it's like 90%.
0: Exactly. And, and some of the most hardcore mule deer hunters I know... Live in Nevada. Yep. Southern Idaho. There, yep. there's some Western Colorado. There are some places where mule deer is, is it exactly? Which I get it. I I love hunting
1: them too, and so it's. Uh, and I think yeah. what it comes down to is, as well. Sorry to, it's, to cut you off if I did, but is the opportunity like growing right. up in Nevada and and having Utah surrounding us? I could draw a mule deer tag. Right especially archery every two three four years a very good one so yeah. I, I've ha- I have so much more experience hunting mule deer right because it's my obtainable tag whereas if you go up north elk I mean right elk's easy you yeah. can get a tag whenever you want yeah um and For I've sure. you know I've only been able to hunt elk a few times a handful of times in my hunting career yeah and uh, I think that's what it comes down to is that that regional aspect mm-hmm. I. I I'm way more confident in my abilities to hunt mule deer because I've just done it so much more and I know how they act and I know what they do. And yeah, Yeah. so I, it's cool, (sighs) but I want to hunt elk. I'd love to to have an elk tag this (laughs) year. I really, really hope so. You guys are growing
0: a lot of big ones here in Nevada. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I was, I, I just, it's, yeah, again, we, I could just, we could be on this podcast for another (laughs) hour talking about conservation success stories and elk in Nevada and how the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation worked with the agencies. That, uh, I, in fact, I need to make a note that we need to make that a topic in one of my future podcasts. Mm-hmm. Because when I went to college in Nevada in the late 80s, I think the first year they gave away any elk tags, the number of tags was 12 or something like that. Now, that sounds about right. Now they're giving away, in some units, you can apply for a deer-elk combination. combination tag here. It's if you would have told people that Unheard of when the elk Foundation, they would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. When they came up with this idea that everyone kinda laughed at, like elk in Nevada? What? And now I mean not only is there a lot of elk, the quality is as good as you can find.
1: Uh, I'm blown away every time I'm in the mountains at the
0: type of elk I see in Nevada. Yeah. I just can't believe it. That's crazy. Cannot but, believe it. Anyhow, folks gohunt.com slash insider Lorenzo and his crew have been uh, Uh if you go there you are going to be impressed I'll just leave it with that and uh, uh, if you want to follow the Randy Newberg platforms uh, go to randynewberg.com you'll know everything about our TV show you'll know Fresh Tracks is our TV show most of you know that you'll know everything about hunttalk.com our big talk forum you'll know everything about this podcast And by the time you listen to this one, we are going to have our entire TV episode library loaded up on the Randy Newberg Hunter YouTube channel and a whole lot of other good stuff. So uh, Lorenzo, thank you so much. Thanks Thanks for for having me. Thanks for coming up with a a piece of of, uh, technology that now I don't need to Completely pollute my office room with maps and folders and and years worth of three ring binders and yeah. and everything else. My wife thanks you for that. Also, <laughs> no, I bet so. And on
1: behalf of of the Go Hunt team, it obviously takes a lot more than a single individual. Right. But um, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thanks. I I look forward to to getting really into the new stuff that you guys are rolling out. Sounds that good. By the time this podcast is live, it's going to be ready. So, folks, thanks for listening appreciate it as always and uh if you uh draw some tags this year i I hope that you have one of your best hunting years ever we'll uh we'll talk to you again in two weeks